This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. It doesn't get any more politically theatrical than our annual impeachment trial in the Senate. For those of you who just got back from Mars, the Senate voted to acquit President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, I should say, uh, 57 votes to convict, 43 votes to acquit over the weekend. And because we're roll call, because we like to dwell on these things and the political after effects, we've already gotten out of the gate with uh, some reporting about how it might affect the 2022 midterm elections. And with us to discuss is our senior political correspondent, Bridget Bowman. Hi, Bridget. Hey, Jason. And some guy from New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> oh, hi, Herb. <laughs> it's Herb Jackson, our politics editor. How are you, Herb? I'm doing good. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we're pun- punchy during the recess. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Bridget, um, one of the things that we um, we noticed as we were taking score, you know, there were seven Republicans who voted to convict the president. Um, and, you know, we, we you, you noted right away that there's only one of them who's actually on the ballot. Uh, in 2022, and where it could, they would have to deal with the after effects immediately. Let's talk about uh, the seven. Uh, we can name them off, and then we can go through and talk about uh, those seven, and then also some of the other uh, folks who are not on the ballot um, that might uh, be dealing with it, or some Democrats too. So the, the Republicans that voted to convict the president were uh, Richard Burr of North Carolina, uh, Patrick Toomey of Pennsylvania, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Mitt Romney of Utah, and Ben Sass of Nebraska. Uh, and as you noted, only Lisa Murkowski is on the ballot uh, in 2022. Let's talk about like some of the dynamics about her Senate race. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Alaska is kind of a traditionally Republican state. Uh, President, Former President Trump won it by, I think, about 10 points in 2020, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so she, though, is has been known to criticize President Trump. Uh, former President Trump has already threatened to campaign against her in her 2022 race. Uh, so one place where this vote could come up is if she gets a primary challenger from her right, from someone who's more of a pro-Trump candidate. Uh, the interesting caveat, though, to note with Alaska is that voters there just approved a ranked choice voting system where the top four candidates get through a primary and then voters rank them. And Maine has a similar system. It's very confusing. But it basically... Math. Could inoculate. Exactly. There's math involved. We don't want to do any of that. <laughs> uh, but it could help inoculate her from some kind of primary challenge. And as a reminder, she's not a stranger to a primary challenge. She actually lost her primary in 2010 uh, to a Tea Party challenger and then waged a successful write-in campaign, which doesn't really happen that often. So she's you know, well-seasoned in how to do this. And it'll be interesting to see if somebody actually comes forward to challenge her if they do, they could have President Trump behind them, but that's to to be seen. 
Right. And, you know, we should note that her, the write-in campaign, one of the challenges was simply getting people to spell her name right. I mean, she, you know, Murkowski uh, is not uh, nearly as simple a name as if you have like mine, uh, Jason Dick. I mean, like that's, that's an easy one. Um, But she, and she won and she won in, in 2016 too. Um, And, you know, and also comes from a political family. Her father uh, was a former, uh, former senator and former governor as well. But you you should, you should note that Trump said earlier in the in 2020 he was going to go to alaska and campaign against her for something else she had done that didn't you know pay fees proper fees and and i would still bet money that he does not go to alaska next year to run against her i would be curious how many golf courses there are in alaska because i think that if we've got a high golf course contingency and it's the summer you can get some. You can get you can get thirty six holes in in one night. You know, with the midnight sun and everything, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let, let's let's go through some of the other. So, so Murkowski, you know, you know, has been she has been challenging the president quite a bit. Uh, she did vote to acquit him in his first uh, impeachment trial way back in twenty twenty, uh, but um, you know that that wasn't good enough to to get the president off of uh, off of her case, and so uh, we'll we'll keep tabs. Uh, Trump does like to threaten things, um, like like running for president. Uh, so we'll see um, we'll see what happens there. But Bridget, um, from some of the other folks, some of those other seven, Romney, not a big surprise. Um, that he voted to convict. He doesn't face the voters until 2024. And he kind of has his own brand at this point too, right? Yeah, that's right. He does. Um, it is interesting that uh, Burr and Toomey, who you also mentioned, uh, they were supposed to be up for re-election this cycle. Both of them have decided to retire instead. Uh, so it's very interesting that they took this vote. Um, and it could be an issue in the Republican primaries to replace them. Uh, right. We already saw former Congressman Mark Walker, uh, who's running for Burr's seat. He came out right away and said, Burr, that's the wrong vote. I'm running to be a conservative. And the state Republican Party decided to censure Burr. And Walker said that he supported that. Um, so even though you know these folks aren't running for re-election, it could still come up in the primaries to replace them. Right, and I, I was um, I was kind of amused too that um, the president's uh, one of his caddies. What's his name? Lindsey Graham. Uh, wait, oh no, sorry, he's a golf partner. Uh, so my my fault there. Uh, he said that Laura Trump uh, would benefit from from Burr's vote, and that she was. I mean, they might as well not even have a primary because she'll win the primary. Is that really something we're going to see a lot of? You think? Maybe. Um, I've this is the, this is the former things. president's daughter-in-law. So, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, it seems like. Some folks in North Carolina are trying to wait and see what she does. Um, She's sort of freezing the field to some extent as she's trying to decide what to do, except, of course, for Congressman Walker, who jumped in already. Um, So it's really unclear what she's going to do at this point and how impeachment plays into that, I think, is, is kind of an open question. And Herb, uh, regarding Ben Sass, um, I think, you know, even as the politics editor, you were like, oh, wait, that's right. He won. And I can't remember his his Republican or his Democratic opponent's name in 2020. That's how easy he skated yeah, he, by. He won tw- by 41 points. <laughs> okay. Against the Democratic opponent, whose name I still haven't re- learned, uh, despite editing it in this column by Nathan yesterday. Um, but yeah, but... You know, that was a state that Trump won by 19 points. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's interesting about Toomey and Burr's uh, actions are Trump only won North Carolina by one point, And 
for, for a long time last year, we thought that Tom Tillis, Burr's fellow senator, was in trouble and was going to be knocked out until Cal Cunningham, you know, sort of fell apart. Uh, and, you know, some polling was bad, too. But, you know, North Carolina is definitely a state in play. It's got a Democratic governor who was just reelected as well. Uh, so, you know, this is not similar to some of those other states. And then, of course, Pennsylvania. Biden did win Pennsylvania. Uh, we we can't know whether that was a factor in Toomey's decision not to run for another term. Uh, but, you know, that is definitely going to be a battleground state where, you know, several House members, you know, are, are, are trying to figure out if they're going to be running for the Senate as well. And uh, Bill Cassidy, he had just won re-election. He, he, he voted to convict the president. Um, he doesn't have to face the voters until 2026. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got a long time to, to sweat it all out. So, uh, Bridget, like, let's talk about some of the once you know it wasn't just Republicans who you know are going to have to potentially factor this into their races. Um, there are a few Democrats uh, in, who are have potentially tough races in twenty twenty two who voted to convict the president. Let's start with uh, two that uh, that are brand new, uh, and that's Mark Kelly from the great state of the Grand Canyon state of Arizona. What a wonderful place. Uh, and Raphael Warnock from Georgia. They both won special elections and they both had to face uh, the music or the voters in 2022. Right. They're both running for full terms in 2022. And the interesting thing, though, with Kelly Warnock, the other uh, Democratic senators who are in competitive states, is that it doesn't seem like Republicans are going to try to use impeachment against them. At least that's the early signals that we're getting from the Republican campaign committee on the Senate side, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Uh, the chairman of that committee, Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott, uh, told our colleague Chris Chaffee, who was on the Hill last week, uh, Chris asked him, do you think impeachment is going to be an issue in the midterms? And Scott said, you know, it's going to be more about jobs. It's going to be more about what the Biden administration is, is doing. Um, so I think that even though like, you know, in Georgia and Arizona, traditionally Republican states that might be changing, maybe there are some Trump voters that would be really upset about their votes to impeach the president. It still doesn't seem like it's something that Republicans are really going to try to hammer them on um, just because it already is such a polarized issue. People are already in their corners about it. And it's not clear who you're going to convince to come over to your side by talking about this. Right. And, you know, we've heard we've made a lot of, you know, how unified the Republican Party is around Trump. But at the same time, if they just leak a few people out of the their out of their tent, you know, in a place like Arizona or Nevada, where Cortez Masco is is on the ballot or, or New Hampshire, that's usually the margin in states like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so to look at the reason Warnock and, and his fellow Senator John Ossoff are there is because they won special elections on January 5th, the day before the riot. Um, and, and, and it was really very close. And, and it was one of these things where, you know, in his, in his screed toward Mitch McConnell, Trump tried to make it sound that it was because Mitch McConnell didn't approve a $2,000 rebate check in, in November. Uh, but, but it was it's really more likely that Trump drove people away in Georgia and that was enough to for and a well organized democratic operation that promised people another two thousand dollar check. So that's why the Senate is 
going to come hell or high water past the $2,000 or the other $1,400 of the check. Right. And, and Bridget, on the, on, on the other side of, of the ledger too, I mean, some Republicans who are, stayed in their sort of majority fold in the, um, in the Senate, like Ron Johnson, he, he has this balancing act. We don't know if he's going to run for a third term or not, uh, but he voted to acquit the president, and that probably will endear him to primary voters in Wisconsin. But once he hits the general, I mean, he, he, it's not like he's run his two races running away. That's right. Yeah, Wisconsin is definitely a battleground, definitely a state that Democrats are looking to pick up a Senate seat. Um, One of the Democrats that's already running against Senator Johnson, uh, Outagamie County Executive Tom Nelson, said in response to the impeachment vote, you know, the trial is over, but we are not going to forget this. Uh, Again, though, I do think it is a question of whether or not this will be something that we're still talking about a month from now or a couple months from now. again, might be more of an issue that energizes the Democratic base, but in terms of winning over those independents and and other folks, I don't know how much Democrats are really going to be even pinning Republicans on this. I do, it does seem like it'll be more of an issue in in something like a Republican primary. Let's talk about the House. The House always, you know, is is just uh, this 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 cauldron of anxiety around this time, right? Because they're redistricting. The census comes does is on every ten years, and they have to draw new lines for twenty twenty two. Some people, some states lose seats, and you you get the you know members running against each other. We adding to the anxiety is that the Census Bureau is not going to turn in <laughs> their uh, reapportionment numbers until late this year. They're us- it's usually due at the beginning of the, of, of, uh, the year. Uh, so members don't even know what their districts are going to necessarily look like unless you're in like Wyoming, you know, or, or, you know, Montana where, you know, you, and, and even then, you know, who knows, maybe Montana gets another seat, but um there are there were several uh, folks, particularly Republicans. There were ten Republicans who voted to impeach the president in the House, and uh, among them Liz Cheney, the third-ranking Republican uh, leader. And that could come back. That I could see that being an issue in some of the, particularly because you're talking about fewer people. You know, states. You know, like the, a, a congressional district is roughly seven hundred fifty thousand people, and you know maybe half of that votes most of the time. So we're t- talking about small numbers of people that could determine these folks' fates. Let's talk about some of the people who might be dealing with this, might be dealing with impeachment, particularly in a primary that comes up real quick. Yeah, we have seen some candidates already jumping in or saying they're going to jump in against some of these Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump. Um, One of the most crowded primaries so far appears to be in South Carolina, where Republican Congressman Tom Rice voted to impeach the president. That was a big surprise during that vote. I don't think anyone really was, he wasn't on anyone's really list to watch. Um, There are a couple of Republicans who have already said they want to run against him in a primary. And I think the kind of bigger picture question facing these Republicans who might be getting more quote unquote Trumpy primary challengers is how much the president's actually going to be involved. Is he going to endorse, endorse these candidates? He doesn't have the Twitter megaphone anymore. So how does he get that message out? Is he going to leverage his giant email list and get all of his grassroots donors to give money to these candidates? Because 
it is very difficult and very rare for an incumbent to lose a primary. But we have, it has happened, of course, and in Republican, some Republican primaries recently, it has been in about- In South Carolina. In South Carolina, exactly, <laughs> right. in 2018, a Republican right. Congressman Mark Sanford lost to Katie Arrington. Uh, Trump endorsed Arrington a couple hours before the polls closed during that primary, and she leveraged Sanford's criticisms of Trump in that race. So it has certainly happened, um, but it's it, unclear how much it's going to happen <laughs> coming yeah, up it, and how involved he'll be. I want to pause for just a second. Um, we we have this clip of a of a an ad that Sanford uh, cut in the primary where he knew that uh, Arrington was was leveraging her, uh, you know, the nice things that Trump had said uh, and, and the bad things that he had said about Sanford. And it it is this it it's this amazing uh, clip where it it just he sounds like he's he's really defensive. Saying something in politics doesn't make it true particularly around election time. Representative Arrington has thrown a lot my way, hoping something will stick. Let me set the record straight. Overwhelmingly, I voted with the president, and a long list of independent scorekeepers will tell you so. I'm fighting hard to protect your money, to limit government, and to keep the promises I made to change Washington. And there's a lot more to be done. And one of the things that I'm just struck by is that this guy was a two-term governor, at one point, he was a presidential candidate. Um, I mean, he imploded a little bit his political career because of an affair that he had. Um, we will never you 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 can never no one can ever actually hike the Appalachian Trail anymore without that that coming up as a euphemism for running off to Argentina with your mistress, um, as one does. Um, but this guy was on his heels. And it's not like he was voting, you know, to impeach the president. <laughs> I mean, he was he was just like not uh, observing, as you said, her fealty enough, uh, and that got him in hot water, and he lost. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, and you know, there is sort of this identity crisis, I guess, if you want to call it, in the Republican Party right now about how much it should be about President Trump. And it does seem like at, at least at the state party level where we're seeing and county party level, where we're seeing all these censures against these 10 Republicans who voted to impeach um, or attempts at censure that the, those folks are have decided that they're still the party of Trump. I think there are some Republicans who I've talked to, some members of Congress, strategists who think that if the party continues to embrace Trump, that they're going to be in the minority for a while. Uh, so, but that fight, that question of Trump loyalty and all of that is going to play out in all these different primaries as they, as they pop up. So you mentioned Rice, uh, also Adam Kinzinger, uh, who's been censured by his local Republican party in Illinois, as well as disowned by his family, just for good measure. Um, and then Cheney uh, is, has potentially a, a, pr a primary challenge. It's, it, you know, like, as you said, it's, it's tough to knock off an incumbent, but these are extraordinary times. Anybody else we should be thinking about, Bridget or Herb, like in in the in the house on on that side? Um, um, I think that it's kind of important to note too that there are a couple folks who, to your point, because of redistricting, we don't know what their districts are going to look like. But folks who were in some more competitive districts that Democrats targeted in the last election cycle. 
Um, Michigan Congressman Fred Upton is kind of always on a retirement watch list. So we're watching to see if he's going to announce whether or not he's running again. And um, he voted to impeach as well, we should note. Yeah. Yep. And he did as well as uh, New York Congressman John Katko from the Syracuse area. Uh, he also voted to impeach President Trump, also has been critical of the president. Uh, he's been a target of Democrats the last couple of cycles and just has his kind of own independent brand in the district that's made it tough for Democrats to take him down. Um, so in those cases, it is, I'm curious if the vote to impeach President Trump could be kind of politically helpful in showing that where they drew the line and their support for President Trump. And California Republican Congressman David Valadeo is another one in a district that has gone for Democrats at the presidential level that he won back uh, in 2020. So, but another one, he could also um, draw a challenge from the right as well. But California has a funky primary system. Yeah. So he might be able to get through. But yeah, those are other folks that I'm kind of curious politically what that means for them. And I guess the only one I would add to that is Jamie Herrera Butler, mm-hmm. yeah, um, because you know she was perennially the Democrats thought they could get her in Washington State. It was one of the districts where Trump won by less than five points in the most recent election. Uh, but you know she shows up at the end of the Senate impeachment trial as a potential witness for the House managers uh, mm-hmm. because she was there when you know. Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, was screaming at the president saying, call your guys off. And that's the real question you know, we're going to be watching is where do the leaders, where do McConnell and where do McCarthy come down if there are these primary fights? Mm-hmm. Do they think uh, you know, they, they're in more trouble with more QE uh, candidates on the ballot that races that shouldn't be competitive suddenly become competitive? Because, and, but the other question is, you know, we go back to Trump. I mean, he was able to do things as president, but he's never really been a career politician who knows how to fly in and do a rally and do, do an event. Or close you know, down when, a bridge. Well, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> he, he doesn't, he doesn't go, he's not, I don't see him right. going and doing like 30 hits for different House members the way some of the other Democrats I've seen when they're running, planning to run for president, they go fly around the country and do little events to build local support in Iowa or, you know, these different states, South Carolina. You know, Trump does, I don't see him hitting the road a lot for his people. So then what else can he do? So he certainly has a lot of money to spend if he wants to build, you know, an organization and it's, but is it really going to be him versus McCarthy and Trump or him and McCarthy versus McConnell? Uh, you know, I, I, that's what I want to see. Well, um, we'll close the book on that uh, and, until the next time. Anyway, we've got we've got a few months until the next impeachment trial to Marjorie prepare. Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, <laughs> impeachment resolution against Biden has already uh, you know been introduced, right? Right, you know who who knows? Uh, you know we're we're getting we're getting used to having these trials uh, every so often. Although I could I could stand to uh, to not. Have we to we have to make again. Todd Ruger so. work sometime. You know, <laughs> uh, Bridget and Herb, thank you so much, and uh, um, you know we'll we'll keep an eye on it as as we do. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, sir.